this would be the part where if I so knew words for Phantom of the Opera, I would sing one of their songs with like a twist on it. Yeah. But I don't. Don't have one. No. Isn't it like it's the it's been it's, Phantom. It's, yeah, I mean, we, can, we can always fall back on that. <laughs> it's Quince. Okay. Hey, welcome to a whole new pod, a podcast all about Disney Channel original movies. I'm one of your hosts, Lucas Melby. And I'm the other host, Jacob Telejohn. And our honorary erstwhile sometimes here third host. Sam Lazen. Hey, it's yeah, a yeah. pre-Christmas miracle. Sam's back again. We got a good one here today. It's a double dose of spookiness. Not as spooky as Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, though admittedly that wasn't actually that spooky of a movie. But it was more paranatural than this one. Paranatural? Paranormal. Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> Paranatural. Uh, I wouldn't call supernatural, I think, is the word you're looking for. Didn't have one of the aunts from Sabrina. Yes. That's the mom. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, Not I didn't. The hot one. I wasn't sure if there was more than one aunt in the original show. Uh, <laughs> anyway. made fun of it on Robot Chicken. Like, oh, why are you, if we're witches, why are you still fat? Wow. Sabrina the teenage Jeez. bitch. Oh my God. And it was funny. <laughs> Gotcha. It all makes sense. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna clap so you know when to cut that. <laughs> nope, man. I didn't. I didn't take any issue with that. Let's keep that in. Uh, and in the interest of keeping stuff in, let's move along and just get out there that the movie we watched this week or this bi-weekly period was Phantom of the Megaplex. It's uh, the penultimate uh, movie or decom of the year 2000. Yeah. The year of the decom finally coming to an end. An end. And in it feels December. like it's been a year for us. The, the been, movie came out in December, too. It wasn't like an October movie, was it? Phantom of the Megaplex came out in November. November. Because the next movie we're going to uh, watch yes. has a Christmas theme. Yes. And it's not really a Christmas theme. It's more without, weather themed. Without committing too much to us, we might even have it out by Christmas Whoa. time. We might have an actually timely holiday decom episode. We did have um, no. the Halloween one, didn't we? It wasn't under wraps. Under wraps, we did. We started the podcast in like November, oh, and Halloween Town. It literally, we, I released Halloween Town on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so uh, that's enough behind the scenes chatter. We've had some longer episodes, so let's just get into this. Uh, Phantom of the Megaplex starts out with spooky organs because Phantom of the Opera, right? Yes. And it's not a great opening because we're immediately greeted with our All favorite the people again. Introduce the people and yeah, we're meet, greeted with our favorite decom trope of main character narrator. Yeah, and we get this our main character Pete talking about doesn't history fucking suck? History's so lame and boring, but sometimes it's relevant to the present. And this is all over footage of the original Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and then Pete starts talking about hey, I used there, my town used to have a, a theater. But then we, like, tore it down, but then somebody maybe was inside of it and died, and I hear he might still be alive. Phantom of the Megaplex, maybe. <laughs> and during the, the footage of the theater burning down, the World Trade Center's in the background. Really? There, yeah. This, I mean, this is still pre-9-11, uh, you know, the meaningful eras of Disney Channel original movies is yes. pre and post-9-11. <laughs> And uh, so then we get to cut to the new theater that goes up over the original theater, maybe a megaplex, if you will. Yeah. And we learn that Pete is the ass man of this theater. That's right. The assistant manager. The oh. youngest ass man ever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Billy Gunn would be proud. Uh, and he is very proud of his duties. He's 17 years old, the youngest assistant. We don't need manager. to know about his bathroom habits, <laughs> I mean, it's a different kind of ass man than you expect. And he is talking about like, oh, yeah, I work really hard, but my mom doesn't get it. She's like, settle down. And I'm like, fuck you, mom. Uh, the other other important thing we have to get to here is that in the opening credits, we see listed Mickey Rooney. Yes, who, and Mickey Rooney. Yep, he listed. gets the last billing. Yeah. And I don't actually know besides. So I know that in Breakfast at Tiffany's, he plays an, a, a Chinese American and is very offensive. But other than that, I don't know why Mickey Rooney is a thing. He's a child actor as well. Okay. Because yes. growing up, he would always be on like infomercials for like old people things. He was like, here's Mickey Rooney endorsing this. And it's like, that. I guess that's meaningful for old people. But I still never knew. Like, I know like since seeing Wilford Brimley in like the diabetes commercials, no. like he's in Tremors and stuff. But I don't know. I know that he also had a show where he just ranted about stuff he didn't like. No, that's Andy Rooney. Isn't it the same person? No. no <laughs> Andy Rooney was on 60 Minutes. I don't know if they're related. They're both Maybe. very old and now both dead. But uh, so that's exciting. And we'll see what his character is all about. All about. All aboard. All aboard. <laughs> uh, in a little bit. So we really need to emphasize that this is a massive movie theater. It's really big. You know, yeah. Our town we live in, we have what's called uh, Movies 8 or Cinemark 8, which has yeah. eight houses, eight theaters. It has, it has more than that. What? It does. It has like 11 million. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I, they, I guess it's not called that anymore. Uh, no, it is called... The company is called Movies 8. That well, no, Cinemark is Cinemark the one that owns is a, it. It's a big company. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I... Well... This theater, though, they were given all these statistics <laughs> about how much popcorn they serve. Uh, they said more than 7,000 people come in at any given night. I think they had 26 screens. Yeah, so it is uh, a megaplex that we aren't really familiar with in our mid-sized Minnesota town, town, city, whatever you want to call it, where we're from. Yes. So then we get a big series of introductions of characters, still with the narration from Pete. So first we meet Sean, who is the senior manager of the facility, and he is really uptight, and everybody gets their own title card. There's a freeze frame on the person, you get their name, and we're going to see a bunch of these people have nicknames. Yes. So we also learn about the theater owner, Wolfgang Niedermeyer, who has landed the premiere of Midnight Mayhem, the world premiere to be at this Megaplex. So it's a big deal, and it will be the focus of this movie. Uh, then we're introduced to Ricky Rules, who cares about the rules. Yeah. Scary Terry, who always tells scary stories. <laughs> Bracy Lacey, who talks very fast and is also a little bit of a slut. Wow. <laughs> Hillary Honey, who is the most uncomfortable character in this movie. I, I, was she even in it that much? She was in it more than Ricky Rules. She is a teenager, but very much seems to be like a 20-year-old playing a teen who just talks like a grandma where she calls people honey all the time. So her yeah. nickname is, yeah, Hillary Honey. Then we get Mark Jeffries, whose nickname is Question Mark, because he asks a lot, a lot of, of questions. questions. Yes. Uh, then we meet the projectionist Merle, who's a bit of a cinephile and knows how to work the projectors and lots of technical details. His nickname is Merle. Merle. <laughs> it says Merle, a.k.a. Merle, which was, I thought, a fairly funny bit. And then last but not least, Rick, uh, Ricky Rooney, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mickey. Ricky Mooney, Mickey Rooney, Ricky Bobby, who is Mickey a crazy Rooney. old man who loves movies and the movie theater. And his name is Movie Mason. And he just shows up to the Megaplex 
Because he used to work at the old theater or something. And he has dementia, so he just shows up for work. Yeah, he, he shows up, is not actually an employee. He has, like, a schedule that he gives to the... Yeah, he gives the, the schedule to Sean, the manager, know, all the time, and then Sean just files, throws it yeah. in the garbage. Files I don't even way. think we know his real name. Everyone calls him Moose no, Mason the whole time. that's the thing, is his title card doesn't say, like, so-and-so, also Mickey known Murray. as. It's just Movie Mason. Yeah. So it, he is uh, an enigma, to say the least. I was expecting him to turn out to be a ghost the whole time. Wow. I, there could have been some cool stuff going on there. Uh, also, I don't know if this was in the narration or not, but we learned that Pete has got the hots for a girl named Caitlin, and he's invited Caitlin and her friend Lisa to the premiere. Yes. Uh, which I don't think is Two how big uh, movie premieres work, is that the movie theater staff could just invite their friends. <laughs> and once the characters are introduced, that's the end of their narration. It doesn't, there's no more narration, thankfully, oh, throughout is. the movie. There's narration of laughter all the time spooky laughs oh yes yes <laughs> there laughs. is uh disembodied it, 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 voices like a random though. like laugh track. there's times where you're supposed to see the person that's laughing and it plays like no one can hear that they're laughing at all well he is wearing a mask <laughs> but no it is uh very much like in the other me when i was mad about that kid not actually burping but they mm. put the voice in for the burp. yeah but still he was mouthing the burp this is just but he's guy. got a mask on <laughs> I, I didn't see any movement of the jaw. Well, we're moment. getting ahead of ourselves. The Phantom of the Megaplex hasn't even done anything yet it in this movie. It doesn't come in until an hour into the movie. <laughs> I think this movie is actually fairly well-paced. If you go back and watch, watch it the second time, you'll notice some things that Okay, settle yeah, the f- settle laughter. down, Jake. You'll notice some laughter. <laughs> Save it for your YouTube video, you your twenty-minute breakdown of Phantom <laughs> of the Megaplex. Ten things you might have missed. Four, number four, will blow your fucking mind. <laughs> I'm Jacob Delajon. Jeffrey Epstein was killed by the Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> Ooh, topical, kind of. <laughs> So it's the day of the premiere, so Sean is gathering all the staff, giving them a pep talk, quoting, like, Niedermeyer, the the leader of, like, the chain of theaters, acting like a real square. Uh, And then he gets a call from Niedermeyer, and on the call, we're hearing him talking. He's like, oh, you gave your son-in-law the general manager job? Uh, okay, uh, I'm sad. And as soon as this happened, I'm like, he's going to be the Phantom of the Megaplex. that's what I thought. And to keep the listeners interested, we won't reveal yet who the phantom actually is but then he turns and is still giving the pep talk pete kind of is like yeah sean fucking movies right and he's like good job pete you're a good man if anything goes wrong tonight i'm fucking blaming you yes so sean's not a great guy (laughs) so then pete drives home because it's like earlier in the day and the premiere is going to be later at night because it's, you know, a movie premiere. Yeah. And that's where we meet his mom. And we get another Disney trope where the mom seems to want to fuck the child. Some people might call that a trope or it some is. people might uh, Tell just... Tell John, do you agree? I felt the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Because Papa's out of the picture. Oh, he'd, and, he'd be uh, dead. And she's like, you need to have more fun. So a real trope is, yes, the dead dad. But I'm starting to, if I can psychoanalyze you a bit, I'm wondering if you saw and experienced such little affection from your mothers as children that then wow. you just see genuine affection shown towards a son as sexual. Be, I <laughs> this is definitely Oedipal, I think. I looked up the mom and she has been in quite a few things Porno. where she could have oh. had a thing for her child. I'm talking <laughs> soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I was... it was part of that soap opera acting that made me believe that it could be. Uh, okay. 
Sam is he's got the he's got the receipts. He's got the deets yeah. for this. So yeah, we meet the mom as well as his younger sister Karen and younger brother, the littlest sibling Brian, who are both movie obsessed. They're just yes. rattling off titles and like, "Mom, this is just like in this movie." Oh my god. So Karen, the sister, is upset that she apparently needs to be babysitting Brian because mom's going to go on a date with George. George. Who is actually well-liked by all of the kids. He seems like a really nice a, man. A surprise. But then she works it out that Brian comes up and is like, I want to go see Farmer Brown. Farmer, <laughs> Farmer Brown. Brown goes to town, sir. <laughs> well, he doesn't refer to it as go to town, but yes, we will later Farmer see Brown. that it is called it's Farmer Brown series. goes to town. And the movies in the Phantom of the Megaplex are all very good. Yeah. So the mom allows Karen to go to the movie with Brian so that she doesn't need to babysit him. But it's basically like babysitting him anyways. Well, she wanted to also go to a movie. Yes. She wanted to go to university... Of the dead or, or something? No, that's one of the lame things. University kills or something? Uh, death you. University, yeah. <laughs> something, some fake horror movie. Die. And her mom's like, no, you can't see it. So she settles for Farmer Brown and then Pete's gonna like drive them back on his lunch break. Yeah. And this is the point where I thought that George was the Phantom of the Multiplex. When you hadn't even seen him yet? Yeah, exactly. Deep. That's deep. That's why she wouldn't find love ever again. So it's kind of weirdly set up that in back-to-back scenes, one of the mom's defining characteristics, other than that she's single, uh, is that she, like, corrects the kid's grammar. She does it twice and then never again in the rest of the movie. In one of those scenes, she's sitting down with Pete, who is eating cereal out of a comically large bowl. Very big bowl. It's like a, a and mixing he, bowl. And, and, and it wasn't he, even full. Like, you couldn't even see no. the cereal or milk in it. It was. But at one point, he seems to be amused with how big it is, because he's just laughing to himself. <laughs> he said weird. that he was, like, eating meat out of there, too. Well, yeah, the cereal. mom has a really lame line. She's like, easy, Grog. Nobody's going to take away your woolly mammoth meat. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Starve, Mom. <laughs> So then she basically just comes over and she's like, I think you're working too hard. You need to, like, settle down. And yeah. Pete's like, no, it's all good. Madison, Ashley, Metz is coming to the premiere tonight, Mom. I'm moving up in the world. Uh, and it's Madison, Ashley, Metz, that's a good fake actress name. It sounds like a real actress's name. But I, I agree with the mom, unless, like, they're really strapped for cash, which is not set up in this movie that he's working to, like, support his family because the mom's single. It's just like he wants to work a lot in the summer and it's like yeah you know you are only a kid for so long as somebody who is now an adult and you know works full-time or whatever i can say i'm glad that i only had a paper route as a kid and i used all of my my I hours actually worked for a living unlike melvin what do you mean a living <laughs> you were you were still 16 okay just because you worked at i started working at when I, there when i was 14 i had a paper route since i was 11 yeah well, I we see how each turned out. Yeah. <laughs> the listener can decide. I'm a very successful carpenter, and you're a receptionist. I'm not a receptionist, but I played a lot of video games as a kid. <laughs> That's something I'll take with me forever. Uh, so then everything is going great. Pete is like, yeah, mom, it's going to be so great. And then we get a cut to Sean saying, it's a disaster. He's on the phone. People are calling in sick. People aren't showing up. Oh, my God. Things are going off to a bad start. Sean always kind of acts like a teenage girl. That's kind of just the vibe I got from... sexist. Yeah. He's always like a little whiner. What teenage oh, girls are you around? Oh, so all teenage girls are whiners? I you yeah. No, Sean doesn't act like a teenage girl. He acts like a shitty boss. He's... 
which is a more universal thing for people to know. Well, not necessarily DCOM characters, but no. There are actual teenage girls in this movie who act like teenage girls. They're just icky. Well, so all teenage girls I, are I, I, icky. Let me you psychoanalyze you again. Sean yes. being icky, and you associate that with teenage girls when he really does not act like I a mean, teenage that, girl. I mean, that's my whole high school experience. I, Jacob was kind of bullied in high school, including by me. <laughs> And teenage girls. Ah. What teenage girls bullied you? <laughs> yeah, name no, one. Yeah. We name need names. <laughs> Put the names out in public. So Sean gets so nervous that he starts to get the hiccups, which is supposed to be funny, question mark. And the staff are upset. One of them is upset. Oh, whoa, you, you missed the best line of that time. Was, go get me a water. Flat. No bubbles. <laughs> Yes, that is the cure, I guess, for Sean's hiccups. Exactly. And And that shows that he's a huge dick. (laughs) Because he's very particular about his water. Oh, yeah, he doesn't Um, want any... uh, Like a teenage girl, they're always about their... (laughs) What is this, tap water? Water. Mocha latte They demand their water to be as sparkling as their diamonds that they require. (laughs) So some other staff, I believe this is Ricky Rules, is getting upset because Sean is saying that nobody gets breaks because of the low staff which is against the reunion contract which i'm pretty sure theater workers especially uh teenagers have never been unionized in any state absolutely not uh so the staff are setting up and one of the things that is set up are some balloons that are hanging above the entrance yeah which uh racy lacy <laughs> i believe lacy taking notes with all the character names says oh yeah sean set those up is he's working really hard and then some people carry some ladder a ladder through the doors and then we just get a spooky laugh from a subway (laughs) (laughs) and it's not really addressed what's happening but later on you can kind of put pieces together but it's literally like an hour later in the movie so hey phantom of the megaplex asked a lot of its viewers really have to be engaged with the the content so back at home, Karen is cutting a deal with Brian because she wants to see University of Death. Yes. So she's like, hey, I'll take you to a movie next week. What was it, Sam? Something Power Penguins. Power Penguins 4. Yeah, something like four. that. And I'll give you $10 and some candy. And I'm like, well, shit. This is obviously not modern theater prices because... She said $5 and he upped it to 10 and a king-sized candy bar. Yeah, Brian is a tough haggler. Savvy, savvy consumer. <laughs> yes. So yes, they he agrees. So it sounds like once I get to the theater, he'll go to Farmer Brown, goes to town, of course, and then she'll slip out to go to University of Death. Uh, while working at the concession stand, Pete runs into his rival, Donnie Holly, who is first Holly. introduced as Holly, which I was very <laughs> confused. I had to turn on closed caption and be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Not that it, he can't be called Holly, but it just seemed like hardcore a, Holly, a wrestler, very, WWE. Yes. It just seemed like a very progressive choice, but yeah. no, his name is later shown to be Donnie Holly, and he is very much preppy jockey guy. Yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, I hear Lisa's going to a movie Lisa. tonight. And he has a friend who's like, ooh. <laughs> no, his friend doesn't say anything. This is a high because five he's thing. black. Yeah, his friend does high five him. He's like, yeah, you told Pete. <laughs> So but not he, verbally, just just through. exactly because that's <laughs> another trope of decoms is having a black person high five someone to know how cool they are, but that black person does not talk. Not not have a line. You've seen multiple, at least two decoms you've watched. There's the friend in the other me who talks. Yeah, does high five someone. There was another person who high fived on the not. Don't look under the bed. The there was yet guy. another person that gave them a high five that did not talk. <laughs> but then there was also the other main character I'm of the movie was black. 
So, yes, Sean or uh, Pete is like, ah, fuck you, Donnie. So he kind of walks off and in a huff. this is where I thought Donnie was the phantom of the multiplayer. Also would have been really Donnie. good. Mickey Rooney, a.k.a. Uh, Movie Mason, is seeing that there's a bunch of people struggling to take everybody's tickets. There's only two ticket takers. So he goes no. up to Sean, the manager, and he calls him Young Sean repeatedly, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Young Sean! And he gives like some spiel. He's like, I want to help guide people to the movie magic, young Sean. Please let me be a ticket taker. So Sean is like, yeah, sure. He takes off his bow tie or he gives him a bow tie because that's like all the theater workers has. He like is in his pants. Yeah, he gives another log speech. This is the greatest moment in my life (laughs) compared to blah, 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 blah. The birth of my daughter. Washing a toddler for the first time. Yeah. Which will come back. <laughs> so then Karen and Brian get dropped off by mom and George who go off to their date, I guess, starting in like the afternoon or something. Yeah, early. Because we see them later at night. Yeah, the timetable, this does take, it's nice that it takes place over a single night, but like the time is still kind of weird because it's like the showing of Farmer Brown like lasts forever. It's like a seven hour movie. <laughs> It's a long trip to town. It's actually real time. It's, him mostly, driving. Yeah, it's mostly travel time. They're coming in and they see there's this huge bottleneck. There's this huge crowd of people. They're not moving. And Brian goes and investigates. And we find out it's because Mickey Rooney is not letting people in because they're going to go see a bad movie. And he's telling the people the movie sucks ass. <laughs> and they're like, I don't fucking care, <laughs> movie mason. Pissed. Yeah, they're so about do to you like, want a knuckle sandwich? <laughs> just let me in. Yeah, Brian's like, I think a riot's about to start. And it's like believable. The people the extras <laughs> in this movie overreact so quick. The theater goers in this good. movie get very angry. On a fucking dime. So Sean comes in, sees, and this is like maybe 20 minutes maybe into him taking tickets. Sees that Mickey Rooney's is fucking up hard, gets mad at him, takes back the bow tie, tells him to leave. And Mickey Rooney goes down like an escalator and is like, you can't kick me out of my theater. I'll be back. That's the point of the movie where I then began to suspect again that he was the Phantom of the Multiplex. And we're definitely supposed to think he's the Phantom of the Megaplex at this point or once the Phantom of the Megaplex actually starts to be Doing a thing stuff. that people yeah. are talking about. No. I should let them know that I, in my head, always say multiplex. That uh, I'm just getting it wrong. It's well, I, yeah. Sorry. When we were starting this podcast, I was trying to remember the name. It's like multiplex, cineplex, megaplex. I probably got it wrong a bunch of different times. i saying it wrong since I was a child, <laughs> and I refuse to change it. Much like Baja Blast. It's Baja Blast. Is that true? That's no, how I said it as a child. And that's <laughs> I mean, it's true to his childhood experience, but. So as Movie Mason's getting taken away, Karen and Brian are like, no, I love Movie Mason. You can't treat him like that. So Pete's Movie like. Movie Mason's the best of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete, Pete's like, I don't get why you guys fucking love Movie Mason so much. And like, why do you love movies so much? All I care about is making money. And it's money never sleeps. Wall Street. Money Mason. <laughs> so Pete's main character trait is that he's too serious. So he's working and too he much. he loves money. Yeah. And he's really greedy. But him <laughs> saying like, I don't like movies because I'm too into money. Is this like such a weird thing for anybody to say? Typical. It reminds me of a, an acquaintance who I won't. I don't think he listens to the podcast. Or he was kind of our friend in high school, but. He probably doesn't listen, so but we still won't say his name. Where we like we're playing video games, just like I haven't played video games in so long. This is when we were in college, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. you're really cool. Was it because you were kissing girls? He's like, yeah, I, I was. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck you, whatever, man. So uh, Pete sees Caitlin then as he's walking with his siblings and leaves them to go talk to Caitlin. 
So yeah, there's this self-serve candy area where it's like gumballs and you like take a bag and you fill it up. It's not a vending machine or anything. Yeah, where you don't just get one. Who's going to want a whole bag of gumballs at a movie? <laughs> so yeah. many gumballs. <laughs> They had like Mike and Ike's too. <laughs> yeah, there you was could like, also like mix it up. Like, ooh, I there want was some sweet, yeah, there was savory, some gummy bears. Yes, savory candy. <laughs> I go, yeah, take five. There's like the beef jerky. That's weird. So he's trying to. Uh, Brian's trying to like open it up, and it's just like a plastic flap that you reach into, but he tears off Rips the lid. Off. So he's freaking out. And then who comes in? Donnie Holly. He's Donnie like, hey, Holly. kid, it's okay. I'll help you out. Pop it back. He's like, I couldn't tell if he was actually trying to help it out or this was no, all nervous. He was being the dick. But I, well, I, I think he was it's trying Donnie to Holly. His defining characteristic is he's a I dick. I think he was trying no, to put it on. He made then a blunder of it. No, he's like, yeah, this is how you put it on. And then he pushed purposely too hard. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay, well, let's go back to the tape. So Donnie Holly's trying to put it on. He does something that we don't actually see because it doesn't make sense that it would result in all of the gumballs streaming out. But no. they do. He breaks something. And then immediately people are flipping in the air. Oh, well, there was riots in the streets. <laughs> people are doing full flips. Bodies nachos, oh popcorn going everywhere. everywhere. They're falling 25 feet up into the air. <laughs> they are, and at dude. this point... Brian yells, Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah, so then there's like, the music. Again. The music. But it's like, no, we know who did this. Yeah. I mean, unless Donnie Holly is the Phantom well, that, that's that's that was one of the classic Mr. X. But then we get an amazing, one of the dumbest scenes in a DCOM we've seen so far. But where, it was great, though. And by dumb, you mean great. Yes, but Pete no, leaves. Uh, you go ahead, and I'll tell you. Pete leaves that. Caitlin behind to go no. to the cardboard cutout display for Power Penguins 4 or whatever, no. which has an actual physical a hockey, hockey stick. stick. Yeah. He takes a hockey stick, knocks over a garbage can, and starts hitting gumballs <laughs> maybe like three at a time. <laughs> and there's like doing slap shots. And then also, he's like miming stick handling, but he doesn't have anything on there. So he's just going back and forth with a stick, and it's fucking bullshit. Yes, there's like a hundred gumballs, or like hundreds of gumballs hundreds on the floor. He's knocking three or four in at a time, In the audience, all the They're theater cheering. goers, are loving it. On a time, <laughs> they go from rioting to going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> It's like, we don't even oh. need to go see our movies. This is all the entertainment we need. People are clapping, losing yeah. their shit, and then Pete finishes, and he's like, yeah, that was awesome. But then he sees, Caitlin's being taken away by Donnie Holly. Which is why I believe that he used the candy as a purposeful distraction so he could swoop in. But he puts Pete, his arm around her later, so I think they're together. But Pete was talking to Caitlin, so he had to get Pete out of the situation yeah. because Pete had to attend to the gumballs. Actually, Pete's the bad guy trying to steal away this guy's girlfriend. It's it's a it's a mystery. Very complicated. This girl gets around. So, but one final great thing about the scene is that... Oh, yeah, she made fun of you in high school, too. Is that right, Telecha? Yes. I don't even know. I probably can't keep up with what I'm supposed to edit out of this movie. <laughs> so then Karen and Brian meet up with Karen's friend, or friends, who are waiting outside of University of Death. And her friend is, like, she's supposed to be kind of, like, a cool, like, troublemaker. But no. her she's, like, pulling a prank, but all she's doing is holding the door open for people and is, like... This movie's going to be really fucking scary. And people are like going in and I'm like, what is she doing? It's so weird. She's an agent of chaos, Melvin. <laughs> yeah. People don't know what to think. Does she work there? So yeah, Karen's late for the movie, but she has to run off to take Farmer Brown. Brian to Farmer Brown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So we didn't get this when we were watching this, but I when I was watching on my own because I watched it separately to take notes. I had the closed captioning on, and outside of University of Death, it's inaudible. Like I could hardly hear it, but it's closed captioned. Somebody says, "This is so crazy." You know, a friend of mine went to college. He got killed. What? A friend of mine went to college. He got killed. Could you actually hear it? Like when you played it back, and I attention? could kind of pick up on it. It's like what? you know, background noise, and it's what like. The hell? What kind of message is this saying? Like, don't go to college because you'll get killed. But then somebody else says, like, oh, I hear this is based on a true story. So it's like, it's like kind of they're talking about University of Death. Oh, so maybe. this is a side story. It's, it's like subliminal messaging. It, but it's like the most interesting thing that can be said in a decom. <laughs> and it's weird. never addressed that. Yes, this guy's friend went to college. <laughs> you know, my friend went to college and he got killed. And now this movie is out. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty wild. So Karen leaves Brian behind in Farmer Brown, tells him to stay in the theater, and she says something like, hey, don't make me get the cinema sitter. Who is the cinema sitter, you may ask? old lady. We meet her. She's an old lady who has a vest on that says cinema sitter on the back. And it seems her duty is to make sure kids aren't getting up to mischief or something. She's not like a terrible woman. No, she's she's not not mean. I feel like she's there to make sure kids don't sneak into R-rated movies. That's that's, I feel like that's her job. Now she's going above and beyond. Like, your little kid brother's too long in the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, so Karen's worried because she's sneaking into a PG-13 movie, which isn't a big deal. No, probably. she said to her mom that it's PG-13. That's no problem her going into it. Yeah. So, but I don't know. She's worried that. But you skipped over the best line. Which Farmer Brown was adjusting a tarp in the back of his truck. And then he goes up to his wife and goes, now I don't want you running off. <laughs> I don't even know if that's his wife. And it's, it could it's be like very a, it, because his sister doesn't want her brother getting out. Yes, actually, a genuinely kind of cool thing in this movie is that Farmer Brown, the lines in the movie and the things that happen, comment on what's actually happening in Phantom yeah. of the Megaplex. Little did they know, right before they went in there, they found out that one of his friends from college got killed. Yeah. <laughs> so Karen gets past the, the cinema sitter. She, like hides in like a cardboard cutout with oh, some teen good. girls that was pretty good gets back into university of death yeah. and then pete is in we'll later learn it's what typhoon summer or cyclone Ty- summer typhoon, which is the the movie that caitlin and lisa her friend are watching and he's just talking it up he's like oh yeah this premiere is gonna be so fucking crazy i hear uh what's his name like jacob johnson's gonna be here jacob johnson and caitlin says how raw would it be if i could touch <laughs> jacob johnson's hand <laughs> and pete's like yeah i could introduce you to her and he's like she's like wow this is so cool he's flexing his power and it's like nobody thinks actual assistant managers at theaters are cool he's like yeah in like a year i'll probably be running this place and both me and sam said that is extremely sad (laughs) (laughs) to be fair there was a manager that i used to work with that was manager of the cinemark and he was cool but only for getting you the really big posters of the movies that you could bring home. He was a and dick all the other you time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then Lisa is also all about his bow tie. And she's like, I like your... Will you still have your bow tie if you're a manager? And he's like, bitch, you making fun of my fucking bow tie? And she's like, no, I love it. Her friend says And Le- that, Lisa, she? her friend says, no, she, she actually really fucking loves, loves your bow tie. She's creaming her jeans for the bow tie. Uh, so, yes, Pete takes off his bow tie. Which is fine, the- because she's the actress was 19, I could say that. Sam did the detective work. Yes. 
So he gives his bow tie to Lisa, but then wouldn't you know it, fucking Donnie Holly swoops in, popcorn in hand, all this popcorn is like, hey, don't you have to like fucking work or something? Ha ha, I'm Donnie Holly. I made a money. Look at all this popcorn. <laughs> I don't have to work a day in my life. I'm Donnie Holly. So then Pete's like, oh, I guess I gotta go. Yes, Donnie Holly's here now. Fucking Donnie. And then chaos just immediately starts happening. Uh, there's popcorn overflowing at the, the concession stand. Lots of popcorn. All over the... F- it's a big... Pete solves it by just unplugging the machine, and people wow. hadn't thought of that. And then there's a projector glitching out in the movie called Glimpses of Guinevere or something yeah, like, like that. Looks like a strobe light kind of flash. So it's like, huh... There's a theater goer says, we didn't think it was going to be so literal that we're actually just seeing glimpses, glimpses of her. And the, the theater is losing their fucking mind. <laughs> like, it is, again, almost so riot mad. level of People anger. are turning around and going, focus! <laughs> Get the projector, you fucking asshole! And this is so funny because we go from him, we go from Caitlin and Lisa being like, wow, you're so cool because you're the assistant manager to how actually people (laughs) treat the assistant manager because Pete goes in and says, hey, guys, I'm the assistant manager. It's all fine. And a guy guy says, hey, you want a fucking medal? (laughs) Big whoop, you're the assistant manager. Some guy stands up and starts throwing popcorn. (laughs) At least like two people are throwing popcorn. One kernel at a time, though. Yeah, he's like, okay, sure. Yeah, you can like. Get free tickets, but they don't want to hear it. No. And then Brian had followed Pete into the theater, and Brian, again, the little brother, if you're not keeping track, thinks that this is the Phantom of the Megaplex doing The Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again. Ooh. Could it be? (laughs) But Pete's like, no, it's not, and you have to go back to Farmer Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Which has been going on for four hours at this point. They get back to the theater, Farmer Brown had just gotten back to his car. (laughs) Someone left (laughs) Well, actually, before he gets back to the theater, he Brian is just walking on his own, and he feels he's being watched. So he turns around Jumps and does like around. a kung fu pose, yeah. and, like, ah! and nobody's, nobody's there. there. And he keeps walking, but then he does it again, and no one's there. But then we get a close-up of the Farmer Brown, it says, goes to town, yes. cut out, yep. that has a person who is not the character we have seen shown in now, Farmer Brown so I, far. I did think about this. Maybe this is the first one, and that's promoting the sequel, where he's aged uh, 15 Or maybe years. the person that we had seen so far isn't in Farmer, Farmer Brown, Brown isn't even Farmer it's maybe Brown. It's, maybe it's a flashback. <laughs> But for, this was when he was possible. just farmhand brown, not farmer. <laughs> but then it zooms in on the farmer's face, and eyes. for some reason, the cardboard cutout has its eyes cut out, and we see eyeballs looking through. Yeah. Shifting Ooh, uh, like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It's probably the scariest scene in the movie. <laughs> and right behind it, he must have been holding a flashlight up to his eyes or something. Back in Karen's movie, her and her friends are being the most annoying teen girls possible. They're like, oh, isn't he so cute? I dare you to yell you love him in this theater. Yeah. No, I dare you to yell it. Well, don't dare April. She'll do anything. We're going to get kicked out. April's killed a man on a dare. He was at a college. So, so this is where it. you're talking about Sean being a teenage girl and being annoying. This is accurate teenage girl yeah. behavior in a movie theater where they go to a movie and just talk. Why are they even in the movie theater? This is me True. being Andy Rooney. Wow. You know, there's a guy that goes, shh. No, shut out. Stop talking. You're talking. I'm not talking. You are now. Yep. And then he's like, shit, she beat me. <laughs> she bitch. She got me. Uh, so then Karen has to slip out to go check on Brian, yeah. who is not in Farmer Brown. And here again, we get Farmer Brown reflecting reality 
Farmer Brown had left somebody in his truck, this lady. He comes back. He's like, I told you to stay here. Why couldn't you stay put? <laughs> I've been thinking it was clearly a prostitute. Now Whoa. the prostitute has robbed him. Uh, I'm going to say no. Farmer Brown went to town to get a prostitute. But it is really funny that we see just like a, a scan over of the crowd. And these people are just enthralled watching Farmer Brown. Hey, it's mostly up. adults. It I is. didn't see a single child in there. Uh, they were like teens. Pete is trying to fix another projector. This one is in a theater called Cut to Black, where the lights are just kind of strobing. And it's like, hmm, another one kind of related to the title of the movie. Pete doesn't find that out. Brian's the one that told him that. No, I'm just saying, I'm incepting the idea into the listener's mind. Yeah, but he's not thinking of it right now. You are a liar. And somewhere, uh, Karen also runs into the cinema sitter, who's helping her try to track down Brian, which takes them to the men's bathroom, which... Brian's not there, but a creepy old guy is. Give me his name. And And then she she opens the door. Brian, if you're in there, hurry up and go back to the movie. But, like, imagine if Brian wasn't there. That would be the most embarrassing moment in, like, his entire life. (laughs) Pete is trying to fix the projector. Brian shows up in the projector booth, kind of in, like, a horror movie reveal. and says, sabotage! And it's like, ah! says, what are you saying, sandwich? I guess he said that. No, that's an office reference. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But then uh, Merle shows up, the projectionist, to kind of help out with fixing the projector that's just kind of strobing. And it was cool, I thought, to actually see the old projection equipment. Because I'm pretty sure most theaters just have digital projectors In this movie, it was uh, state-of-the-art. They were big. Like, I didn't realize, like you said, how big Yes, it was not like... I don't think it was a situation where, you know, they had to change reels. It was all, like, computerized and automized for that part. But it was still actual film. That's why Merle was like, oh, yeah, I'm underappreciated now in computers. Merle does say that he is underappreciated and underpaid. Mm. This is when I thought he was the fan. Could he be a disgruntled employee? I mean, he is a disgruntled employee. I'd say he's fairly gruntled. Somewhere else in the theater, other staff see the first final actual physical reveal of the Phantom of the Megaplex. Some guy in a cloak just running down the hallway laughing. Lots yes, of but laughs. not a real laughter, like a spooky Halloween uh, Yes, you know, the kind of thing. And it echoes through the corridors. Uh, and then Pete and Brian, uh, they talk to some people and they're like, we can't find Sean. And... They find him in the basement because they're looking for velvet ropes tied or something up. for the premiere. And yes, Sean is tied up and has tape over his mouth. And he says it was somebody who had pushed him from behind and tied him up. And then, of course, Brian goes, Find him in the Megaplex! Uh, Strikes again. Doing his best Mickey Rooney impersonation. <laughs> so then they free Sean and he gets immediately back into action, setting things up. Pete brings Brian back to Farmer Brown. They run into Karen. <laughs> I just... I love Farmer Brown. Just yeah, it's interminable. It just takes forever. Uh, but yeah, still, he's still on his truck waiting for that girl to come back. Yeah, I don't know why Brian <laughs> wanted to see this movie so badly. Like what the trailers were like. But yeah, they run into Karen. Like Farmer Brown doesn't <laughs> know what he's in. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Karen, they yeah, run into her old. at some point. Bring her back to Farmer Brown. Karen and Brian. They're immediately like, let's ditch Farmer Brown again. Fuck this movie. And they start to put together that, hey, don't all these theater accidents seem related to the movie Movie. titles? Because we had glimpses of Genevieve or whatever. Don't they go to to the basement first? Uh, No. Because this is where they head out because they hear screaming. And we see an old lady run past them and goes, look out, children, it's a tornado. (laughs) And it's in the Cyclone Summer Theater. Yeah. 
where there is a giant, not even that giant, an industrial fan that has been placed in front of the theater. This is the most powerful fucking fan <laughs> ever. It is so powerful that it is still blowing at people who are not even directly in front of it. So we see popcorn blowing around. We see people like blowing out of the theater and people are blown so hard. Nice. Uh, that they're just <laughs> stuck in their seats, including... Yeah, I've had that happen. <laughs> including wow. Donnie Holly and Caitlin. Yeah. And Pete comes in and he goes to rescue them, but he's blown so hard right by the into fan the into his seat. Yeah. But eventually he is able to unplug the fan. Yeah. And we're, we were talking about, like, how could this happen that this theater full of people... Just sees the Phantom just roll in this fan. And they're like, okay. <laughs> it's a 4D experience or whatever. This is fine. Yeah. And then, yeah, they can't move afterwards. Clearly the Phantom put in the reel. A hypnotic thing. Oh. Made them all go to sleep. Oh. Set up the fan. He's kind of like the, the villain oh. in Halloween Town. Yes. Uh, is that what happened in Halloween Town? Yeah, people the actually theater. get trapped in a movie theater. Yeah, they're in a theater. Uh, but, uh... There's actually, even in Cyclone Summer, it kind of reflects what's happening yep. in reality. Because he unplugs the fan and then the cyclone's over in the movie. Yeah, bright, that. bright, sunshiny day. But then also there's a cow flying at the screen and then Donnie Holly gets hit with an empty popcorn. That was bag. funny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was good. really good. <laughs> it was like, oh, Twister. <laughs> yes, it is very clearly some kind of Twister based. Everyone thing. was putting right hand on red and you're welcome for that. And uh, at this point, I bet you're wondering, what's happening to Mom and George? Well, we're going to find out because they're on their date. And their date seems to be going as bad as things at the movie theater no. because they've gone to two restaurants. One was, like, filled. One is closed down. And now it's nighttime. They're driving hours in between. But they don't seem too worried. They're not like, oh, I'm starving. They're just sitting in front of this closed restaurant. Car turned off, parked, and they see a nice couple of planters of some flowers. And then there's a long extended metaphor about how the mom doesn't want to get married, how those two planters, those flowers look nice on their own. They don't need to be mixed together. And George is like, what if they've got together and everything is fine? He's like, what about they extend their roots? And what about the buds? You got to think about the buds of the, the flowers. Buds. It's like, oh my God, stop. We get the fertilizer of the home. Oh like Jacob and Telejohn, or Jacob and Telejohn, Jacob and Sam, who hadn't seen this movie, I'd already seen it but they were like oh isn't this like so stupid this plant stuff but it's like they made the jokes and it was still going on after they made the jokes <laughs> it was it's a like, solid three minutes it's kind of an Plant's interesting solid. metaphor but it's also like these characters don't even really need to be in the no, movie no they don't no they That's have a role to play up. but like they have at least two or scenes that yeah. don't need to be in the movie that like it would have functioned fine without it yeah unrelated and they'd go to turn the car back on after their metaphor time and, and it's guess dead. what oh <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom yeah. of the Megaplex strikes again. The car works fine. It's not. It's. It's not <laughs> even like. I think they eventually the say. Phantom came and stole the spark yeah. plug. George says he's like an English teacher, but it's not even like it's a junky car. It's just, nope, my car doesn't start because that's a thing that happens in. No, it's like an English teacher. But every time a car breaks down, the man looks under the hood. What's up with that? Yeah, that was a bit I'm much. A woke individual here. It's in like mom's got a date with a vampire. I could say my joke here. Mom's got a date with George, but I forgot to say that earlier. Ding, ding, but like ding. the vampire's car at one point, we don't know why it stops working. But then it just starts working. Hell. It's because he uses blood as his fuel in his car. Sometimes it gunks it up. So I like that. Pete calls her on her pager, which yes. she then uses to call on George's cell phone, which then yes. picks up to a payphone that Pete is calling her from the theater. Old technology, people. It's fun. Uh, <laughs> 
It's like, I don't get breaks now. You have to come pick up your children. Yes, exactly. It's not my fault you had unprotected sex. But according to Sam, she wants to have that. She want, I didn't say she wanted unprotected sex. Give her that. She's a, she wanted a, she's a responsible mother, at least. In a way. I didn't, I didn't say that. She's both irresponsible and responsible. I didn't say the character wanted to. I was referencing the actor. Oh, so this is a first where it's not actually in-universe that the mom wants to fuck her son. It's That was shorthand, Melby. I don't have time to explain everything. Well, I better you say it all the other times you've been on the show and you've pushed that narrative. Like, uh, the other me. Uh, genius. <laughs> I don't know. There was another one. Uh, Smart House. That was a, a robot AI. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so Pete is taking the kids to go sit on a blue bench where the mom's going to pick them up. And this is where Sean comes up and he says that movie Mason is the phantom because, you know, at this point in time, it seems like it could be true. He's pissed. Brian and Karen stick into Every their... Every time he comes in, there's a organ going, <laughs> the phantom. No. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Don't... There's no guitar squeal and no organ. <laughs> So Brian and Karen, sticking to their character, uh, do not stay where they're supposed to stay ever. They are going to go find Movie Mason, and through various things, it doesn't really matter how, they find out that um, he bologna. asks where he where eats his lunch. He, he finds the, or sk- dinner the or schedule. He's like, where, do you, where does he eat? And then she goes, well, and then they're in the basement. Yeah, so they're they going go down many to the... flights of stairs. Yes, they're going all the way down into the basement into... A movie Mason's lair. <laughs> but as they're going down the stairs, they see oh, the Phantom yeah. running. And that doesn't really pay off. The Phantom's just down they there. They do it exactly yeah. like that. And then they eat a big sandwich and then they go down there. It's then, Scooby-Doo. As then Karen, Karen's getting scared. And then... Shaky. Brian says, don't be scared. We just got to be like an Officer Bean, talented teen too. Oh my... Another one that paid off from having the closed captioning on is it's not even just the original. It has to be the sequel to Officer Bean, and it's like, like a so. It's the original movie called Officer Bean, Talented Teen, no. and then it's the sequel op- is called Officer, Officer Bean. Bean Child, and then it's Officer Bean Teen, Talented Teen Two. No, it's preteen, preteen, and then it's teen. Uh, so Pete sees that they're missing from their spot, and then we cut back to oh, we got to find out if no, George. No, Pete doesn't see that. His mom calls again, and a guy well, picks up and goes, City Morgue. And she's yes. like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> well, she calls, again. She calls again, and it's a different guy who sees that. I was there. literally going to get to that. The, qu- the question, man. You were not. I was. Uh, my notes are, George can't fix the car. And then we get the data technology because it's them with a pager. And he's like, look at your pager. Because my phone, I can't look at the old number because my cell phone's too old. But use your pager to go back to the previous number. And then I'll call that again. So then they call the pay phone. Yeah. And then the guy who had made fun of Pete in the theater yeah, answers and says, City Morgue. And then it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> but then she just calls again. And then one of the staff answers and is like, oh, yeah, your kids are missing again. It's very farcical where it's just always these constantly crossing paths of people not being where they're supposed to be. And it's like chaos always happening. Yeah. So where are Karen and Brian? Well, now they are in Movie Mason's hideout, which is filled with a bunch of movie props. And they're like, are you sure Movie Mason can't be the, the Phantom? Because he has pictures of Phantom of the Opera. 
on the wall. And then there's a fade into, they show the monster or the phantom in the movie and it fades into movie Mason's face. And he's like, hello children. <laughs> and it is genuinely scary <laughs> that uh, spoiler alert. He is not the phantom of the megaplex, but, but like he's villainous as hell. In his speech. He says, you found my lair he or like in the my theater. hideout or something. Uh. And he gives a like a speech that is simultaneously fairly nice because it's talking about like movie magic, but like Mickey Rooney is trying so hard, but also still coming off like creepy. So it's like, well, maybe he's not the Phantom of the Megaplex, but he might just be like a child molester or something. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But bam. Yeah, Melby. God. <laughs> but like the music swelling as he's giving this speech is like, oh, movies are magical. It's great. And if this was yeah. a real horror movie, he would finish that speech and, and immediately kill be killed by the Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh, yeah. oh it's where a white man could dress up like a very bad Asian man and everyone's okay with it. Power <laughs> yeah. movies. Back in my day, man, make American movies great again. Am I right, guys? Yikes. So staff are working on finishing, clearing out the theater for the premiere because movies are done so it's like hey we need to get them out oh, not yet there was a showing of the flood that ends at eleven fifteen. yes you up. you are correct and we'll see how that ends out shortly uh we encounter some snotty manager who is representing uh J- jacob johnson and let me see my notes here uh madison ashley metz who is like you bitch ass peons where's sean She's and pissed. they're like oh he's missing again and she's like, well, my actors and actresses, they're pissed in their limos. They're pissing in their limos. I'm <laughs> pissing on you. Just fine. Shot. <laughs> Clear this up. So, True. yeah, it's getting late. And this is an actual like midnight premiere. But the movie we did, I think, mention is called Midnight Mayhem. So yeah. I think it's That's purposeful. Exactly. Hmm? So. Attention to detail. Oh, yeah. Flawless movie. <laughs> I should mention right now, I looked it up on IDB. There's no goofs. This I, I try to find them too. And so we see some of the display items for Midnight Mayhem has a T-Rex. And earlier in the movie, we see that there's a giant blow-up dinosaur on top of the roof of the Megaplex. That'll come into play a little later. Pete has another run-in with Donnie, and there's a display for uh, Merlin on Mars, which is another great title, of trying to pull a sword out of stone. And Donnie has pulled it out, and he's supposed to win 50 movie tickets. Yeah. But since Sean is not there, and everybody's losing their fucking minds, Pete's like, I can't give you these tickets. And then Donnie's like, well, let me into the premiere. That's not how it works, Donnie. (laughs) My dad will buy this thing. (laughs) But then they get interrupted by a fire alarm going off. And then Donnie just goes away for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he does. He just leaves peacefully. (laughs) You never see him again. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think exactly, <laughs> which is fine. Which is weird because the bill. No, like, it's unfortunate. Why I don't want... you make me? And he's getting all puffed up, well, ready to go. He said he was going to come back and deal with him yeah. after he dealt no, with. No, Pete should have like kissed Caitlin in front of him or something. You know, Pete should have just I gone did. like the. Yeah, Maybe the one time I want a kiss to happen in a decom is to stick it to Donnie Holly. Yeah. No, since he's the assistant manager, he's just like, all right, I'm going to call the police and they'll escort you out. Because he's like, I got I'm a, a fucking sword! Oh my God. <laughs> I'm a manager here. But, but Donnie did put the sword back. He didn't he keep did. it. He did. He put it right put, back. Yeah, right we see later that he put it back. But yeah, so it seems that the people seeing the movie The Flood get uh, hit with the fire alarm. They're all wet, walking out. Again, super angry. They're pissed. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this makes Pete. sense because they're all wet. Yes, that is Their fair. pocket contents. It's not just like their movie being blurry. It's yeah, Their or, socks are wet. That's the worst. They didn't just get a blowjob. 
So then Pete uh, finds his siblings who, yeah, just moving on. <laughs> Pete finds his siblings who really, we don't really see what brought them to this point, but now they're saying that Merle is the Phantom. Because no. they didn't really think Movie Mason was the Phantom, but now they've ruled him out, so now Merle has to be the Phantom. Because of the trailer. Because adults. Well, because he had said that he was underappreciated and underpaid, but then yeah. we also see that in the theater where Midnight Mayhem is going to be showing, there's some trailer that's like, First it was a movie. Now it's real life. So it's like kind of almost like saw like like would you like to play a movie game? game. <laughs> yeah, and there's a game. devil on the screen with which makes no sense because it should be Whose yeah. face is it? I can't remember who it was somebody's face. It was the devil. <laughs> the devil. Yeah, it's it, we've well, late we, at this point head. or very soon after we'll learn that it has a dinosaur in it. So why yeah. is the devil being shown for Midnight Mayhem? It doesn't because matter. The devil was a T Rex. Booth Think for about the... it when uh, Jesus was in the desert being tempted by him. It was a giant T Rex. He was tempted by a <laughs> Velociraptor. Uh, so they find Merle in the projection booth. He's trying to take the trailer off, but he's not figuring it out. And Brian's laying into him. He's like, yeah, I bet you can't figure it out. He's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I want to? Like, I'm trying to fix it. He's like, well, then you look like a real hero. And Merle's like, kid, what the fuck is your problem? He has some valid points. <laughs> he was really digging into him. Uh, but then the group sees down in the theater that the Phantom is setting up like a fog machine or a smoke machine. And they're like, well, I guess it can't be Merle. And Brian's like, well, this is is awkward <laughs> and then he's all feats don't fail me now yeah so then they go into the theater yeah. and then they like turn off the fog machine because the phantom's gone and there's like okay and then brian or uh, pete's like hey you know what i'm not doing shit i'll leave this to your guys's movie knowledge to figure out and they're like thank you it's all related to how he's combining like the plots of the movies so then we get probably the coolest plot point of this movie where really? they need to find a computer with internet because yeah. they're trying to find out even like big movies today. There's always like a script spoilers. that leaks or something that there's yeah. spoilers yeah. and they're trying to find the spoiler site for Midnight Mayhem so they can foresee what the attack might be related to from the Phantom. Yeah, that was cool. Also at this point, you remember Caitlin and Lisa? They're just suddenly walking with the group and it's mostly because I think Pete at one point needs to take his bow tie back from Lisa. Mm. But the one computer at the theater is in Sean's office. So they go into Sean's office, which is empty, until it's not. Because they close the door and Sean is hanging out of the door. And it's a commercial break at that point. And it seems like he could be dead. Because it how does. else would yeah. he just be willingly hanging there and he's just no. like dead hanging? No. But no, we see when it comes back at the end, you know, Sean's off. And it's like, oh, okay, now Mr. Nadermeyer is here. So Sean's... Again, running about, he's like, oh, Mr. Nadermeyer. And he's there with, like, the film's director and also the guy who got the general manager job over Sean. And then there's a little string hanging around the entrance that Racy Lacey pulls to pull down the balloons that are above no. there. And at this point, Pete says, no, no Lacey. Lacey. But how does he know that the balloons, we find out, are filled with water? Uh, was, was, because was, it's not time for the balloons to come down, Melby. It's when oh, people are supposed to be... I thought it was that Pete oh, was yeah. the Phantom of the Megapods. <laughs> well, also, when they pull it, the balloons start coming down, but those balloons are filled with air, and yes. then everyone gets hit. With well, balloons. it's because they can't film, you know, they're not going to hold up an expensive camera and then let it get wet, so. Put that, oh, Sam, write that on the goofs page of IMDb. So, yeah, everybody gets soaked. Mr. Nadermeyer is fucking pissed. Yeah. And then we also learn here that the blow-up T-Rex that was on the top of the building is now Gone. missing. Hmm. hmm. Now, who should take care of that? 
Is it Pete and his two children? You better believe it is. So, Not an adult of any kind. So then we get probably my second favorite or one of my favorite scenes in the movie where it's the doors open. There's a bunch of people taking pictures. The cameras are there. And then we get movie Mason giving a song and dance. Well, not so much dance number. Just a song number. He's doing as much as Mickey Rooney can. And he's just singing like Hollywood. It's to the tune of Guys and Dolls. It's not good. MLB sang Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls. Yes. Dakota Middle School. It's yeah, it's. Uh, Mickey Rooney, I don't know if he was known for singing as a child or something, but not really great here. He's an old Hater. man, Melby. What do you want from him? But Sean comes out and it's like, fucking movie Mason, why are you here again? And he's pissed at him and he's yelling at him. He's about to let loose and, I don't know, call the cops on movie Mason or something. When we hear a voice, uh, excuse me, leave movie Mason alone. And he's like, bitch, what are you talking about? And it's Ashley Madison Metz. Oh my god! She grew up in that theater. Yes. With Movie Mason as her father. (laughs) She kisses Movie Mason on the cheek. Lips, oh. Uh, On the dick. (laughs) On the ass cheek. That's why Mickey Rooney was in this movie. Oh. I'll just let that hang for a (laughs) second. What was Don Knotts getting in Quincy? So then mom and George also show up and they just get let in because they tell one of the staff like, hey, I'm trying to find my kids who, speaking of her kids, they're uh, Karen and Brian are piecing together the plan from the plot, which like ends in like, I think they say like a school gymnasium where the monster is really big and he like cuts out the air. It's like, well, how the fuck is that going to happen? Well, we'll see very shortly. I, I caught none of this. Well, that's why I'm here running, steering the ship taken too many notes uh that probably sometimes people don't care about i care i agree but anyways i care they find pete and pete's like oh the balloon's missing so then they decide to go to the roof even though the balloon is missing or i guess they're just seeing if it's they deflated were told up there to go to the roof yeah by what's his face if Sean? it's up there or not yeah because yeah, he doesn't believe it's gone or something so then yeah. there's kind of a nice moment where sean just kind of comes out as like, I haven't been the nicest brother. I haven't always been believing in you. And no. I'm like, too serious. Uh, Sean is the uh, general manager. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, sorry. Pete, Pete is saying this to Zacharine. his siblings. Pete uh, Sean, not there. Or is he? Uh, we see the phantom oh. kind of sneaking about on the roof. But while Pete is saying all these nice things to his kid, oh, uh, his, his siblings, <laughs> this spooky music's playing. And it kind of just undercuts the moment until, yeah. of course... The phantom pops well, out. Yeah, you see him throws creeping. a blanket over no, them. No, it's just a giant Curtain. burlap sack. No, I don't. It's it like a, a velvet sack. blanket or it's something. It's a burlap sack. Velvet curtain from one of the movies. And then he wraps them up in a, a rope and ties them. It just yeah. like runs off, <laughs> and they're just <laughs> left so... standing there. <laughs> He's very agile. Very agile. Uh... Yes, he looks That's why him. it's not Mickey Rooney. Okay, we could say here now it's not Mickey Rooney. <laughs> it's much taller, but I'd have to say it's a lot thinner than the person it turns out to be as well. So I don't think he was playing both parts. That's that's fair. So then the premiere festivities are continuing. Mom and George are trying to find the kids, and we were talking too much, so you didn't pick up on this. But mom's like, I haven't seen the kids, but I have seen Katie Seagal and LeVar Burton. Which is a oh, well, it's a smart house call up because obviously Katie Seagal's in the movie, but the movie was directed by Levar Burton. That's cool. 
day. <laughs> I know, I know. So that was kind of, I put that in the, the trivia page. The it kid, is not included in the trivia page. This is what you get from this, this attention to detail coming from a whole new pod. Uh, the kids are back up on the roof and they're having a comical question mark time uh, trying to get out of the blanket. And this is like cut between like two scenes. Long story short, they move over to like a pipe that has a valve on it. Because I guess Pete has like a photographic memory of what the roof layout is. He has yeah. to be. He's the youngest ass <laughs> man there. So exactly then eventually they loop the rope and it just kind of loosens <laughs> it. And it's like, okay, hooray. Really, they could have just crawled out of it because it was not very tight. Uh, yes, it, it is true. And then it's finally time for Midnight Mayhem to begin. Again, it's a dinosaur movie, not necessarily clear in the title. So the movie's starting, and then from the balcony in the theater, the giant blow-up dinosaur slowly gets Creepy. air and falls over. But it's treated as if it like has some kind of like sentience or mobility, where it's like, it's like arms are attacking Trump. Lacey, yeah. and the dinosaur chomps on Eating the director, the director yeah. who is giving his like spiel in front of the screen or whatever. So again, audience freaking out. And they're trying to run out, and they run into other blow-up monsters. There's, like, a King Kong or a gorilla blocking one exit, and then there's just, like, a cave person blocking another. Uh, I, I, I think it was, it was a another gorilla. gorilla. It was obviously a, a female. Gorilla. Yeah, girl gorilla. I think it was just, like... It was a pink gorilla. I think it was early. Fucking high. It was a bikini thing on. It was a and, pink... And oh, like God, a weird, like, why would that mean it would have to be a gorilla? I will look up the goddamn fucking picture. I'm just saying it could have been Grog, who we heard the mom Grog. reference earlier as eating woolly mammoth meat. Maybe. It's not important. Uh, but yes, very important. People are locked into the theater. So the kids show up. They go up onto the balcony. Actually, at first they try to get into the theater. And Brian just runs straight into the ass of the, the pink gorilla, yes. if you will. There then, are no pictures from this movie. And I <laughs> you <here>. don't say. <laughs> it so, was a nominated for three awards, though. Wow. They were just like Disney Channel movie of the year. It's called Young Artist Award. Uh, so the kids go up onto the balcony to see, oh shit, this dinosaur is fucking up this theater, even though it's just filled with air. Oh, and no. then Movie Mason is there, uh, who explains that, oh, I was just in the bathroom when this happened. And it's like, no, movie he Ma- should be the Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> movie Mason enters by going, ah! Yeah, he, he for not huh. being the Phantom, he almost always enters a scene uh-huh. as like a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, hey, I got a plan. And then we cut back to the sword in the stone, and yes. Pete is just furiously pulling up and down yeah. on the sword. <laughs> on, on his sword, and yes. Mer- Tell us Merle. Don't be crass. Merle comes up and is like, Pete, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, I gotta get the sword, but fucking Donnie Holly, <laughs> his last, fuck you, Donnie Holly's last hurrah. He stuck the sword in, and apparently it comes out on the 10,000th 10, pull. Cool. And Merle's is like, oh, here. And he, like, flips open, like, a side of the rock. Yanks it out. Yeah, and turns off a switch. So, all right, we got a a sword. Now, how, listener, how do you think this is going to happen? Is he going to bend over the balcony and poke the inflatable thing? No, he's going to jump on top of the fucking thing. I mean, what would you, isn't this what you'd want, though? He's jumping on top of a balloon with people underneath it still and stabbing vigorously with a sword. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> he, cool. He would murder somebody. Yes. Uh, again. Ideally. Just like in the previous episode, I'll reference other Goonies and he should have just said, hey, you guys, stab the, the dinosaur. 
So he takes out the T-Rex. It's what deflating. What does that have to do with the goons? He doesn't like, stab anybody. The sloth pops up and he stabs the sail and he falls he down. Yeah, he does. He, he swings on a rope. He doesn't stab a sail. Okay, Chunk stabs the, the sail. The goes, fat kid! Somebody goes on the sail. Yes, because it's seen in the movie. <laughs> yeah, somebody, he doesn't say, hey, you guys, and then do that. He does that when he swings on the rope. You're... Okay, somebody says, hey, you guys, and then Chunk comes down the sail. Don't t- he says, Captain Chunk. I mean, oh my god he can say captain chunk and still come down the sail <laughs> just keep going with the fucking movie uh so then as pete is deflating the t-rex he sees the phantom and he's running behind his screen so he chases him down and i thought this no, was no he gives the sword to some random guy and goes take care of those gorillas and then <laughs> okay i missed that uh and then I thought this was kind of cool because this movie's not playing, but like the screen's lit up, but it has a backlight. I don't know. That doesn't really make sense. But we just see a silhouette of Pete fighting the Phantom and they're like fighting in quotes because they're mostly just like slapping each other. Well, you know, it has to be something that shows up in the silhouette. If it was like a real fight and he just like puts him in like a headlock, that's just going to look I like I want to see mess. haymakers being thrown, some kicking. But like the Phantom's trying to like climb up something to get away. Pete pulls him down. Then... Speaking of, hey, you guys, they're swinging on a rope and then they crash through the screen. Uh, Pete tackles the phantom and reveals that, yes, it is Sean. And I'm going to say it's fun that there's a twist and there's a mystery, but like it's so hard to like literally think it should be Sean when it's like, yes, he gets the phone call. I'm like, it has to be Sean. Then he gets captured once. Yeah. Well, you know, that's to take throw us off the scent. But then he gets captured a Again, second time. He's hanging up by And they're both situations door. where it's like, I don't know if he could tie himself up and then put him into these situations. I don't think the kids were really looking at the uh, how tight the ropes were. Sure. Because but... they seem to untie him pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's beyond anything. But just like from a storytelling thing, you can't have two fake-out captures by the actual villain. That's just like of cheating. Of course you can I mean, yes. They did it. The Phantom of the Megaflex. They did it. The Joker in the Dark Knight gets captured several times. But it's always the Joker. We don't... It's not a secret who the Joker... I mean, it is a secret who the Joker is. He captures himself. I don't think they're really related here. It's like in Scooby-Doo if, like, there was two fake-outs about, like, Old Man McGucket being the (laughs) Uh, You're describing every single... No, there's usually only one, and it's it's not even a fake-out. It's just the first person they see is going to be the monster. That's usually the Scooby-Doo Old Man McGucket. That's from something else. Uh, it's from Gravity Falls. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, Mildred's a fucking nerd. Uh, so everybody's happy, except Sean, obviously, because... He does the whole uh, number two in Austin Powers, where it's, I'm tired of you pushing me around. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Sean, because throughout the movie, Mr. Niedermeyer always calls him by the wrong name. No. And Sean's just like, I just wanted you to like notice, notice me for me, once. Senpai. He got passed up from the, the promotion. He doesn't know his name. And Mr. Niedermeyers doesn't feel bad about it, like, at all. I don't think he technically has done anything illegal. Uh, it's the situation of, like, yelling fire in a crowded theater. He's done that, like, multiple times. So I think there's probably, like... I don't like, think he's yelled fire. Well, I mean, he set, yes, off, a, he set off a fake fire uh, alarm. Setting off the sprinklers, maybe. And he trapped those people in the theater, which would be a fire code violation. I think that would be, like, a misdemeanor where you have to... No, it's very him. small. But Mr. Niedermeyer says that he's never going to get work in a movie theater ever again. Yeah. In this state, presumably the state is California, but it's not stated. It's not because the World Trade Center was in the background. That's, yeah, that is fair. 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't want him to get arrested, Mr. Niedermeyer, that is, because it would ruin the premiere. Yeah. And then Sean just gets a walk away, and then the director of Midnight Mayhem comes up to him and is like, hey, I want to make a movie. And like Sean's like, okay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but then he's like, okay, go get me like a coffee. So it's even then, Sean's getting a movie made about he's him. He's like, we're going to be partners. And the director's <laughs> treating him like shit. So surprisingly, the ending of this movie kind of just keeps going on because they're like, hey, we got to tie up something. So like, what was Pete's character all about? He was too serious. So now Pete is going to relax more. But first... He turns down his dream job. Yeah, he gets a promotion like he was talking about to Caitlin that he might run this theater by the time he's 18. Mr. Niedermeyer's like, I need you as a manager, which him being 17... And having to be the manager, Damn. which would mean he'd have to be working, like, full-time. Fuck school. Probably illegal. I don't think so, because there were managers at Culver's that were going to high school with us. That's wild. But not, like, the senior, like, top manager. Like, the ass man. Alright, the general manager. But there, he wasn't the general manager. No, he was not. But Pete, eventually, has to be, like... He's, at first, says, like, I'd be honored. And then he looks at his siblings, and they're like... Hey, you said you'd be less serious. He's like, yeah, I'm not that with his eyes. I'm not 17 or I'm I'm 17, not 70. I can work the rest of my life. So he says, you know what? I think I actually need some time off starting tonight. And oh, what's that? Caitlin's there. And Mr. Niedermeyer is like, yeah, boy, (laughs) go get some fucking breakfast. Yeah, he says after the movie, go get some breakfast. And he throws like a $50 bill at him. (laughs) He just he he puts it in. uh, Caitlin's cleavage. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he throws a loose condom at them. As Sam says, it's okay she was 19 when she was in the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> a loose condom. And actually, we don't even know if, like, you know, maybe she was, like, an older kid that, like, he knew that she wasn't even in high school with him anymore. Wow. Yeah, she was in her 40s. Maybe she had graduated the that previous year and it was just the summer afterwards. You never know. And Donnie Holiday was six. Donnie Dude. Holly, please. Put respect on his name. Holiday. Uh, but then, again, so he's got the girl, he's not serious, the movie's still not over because, oh, mom and George are there, George starts out talking about plants again, and then proposes to the mom. And then she looks at her kids, and the kid's like, fuck yeah. And the kids are, like, confused because he's talking about, like, flowers and shit, and he's like, well, I don't have a ring, and then Mickey Rooney, (laughs) "Ah!" (laughs) looking positively demonic, pops up and says, like, I've got a ring! And he's, he's like, a loner, though. I need it back. Yeah, he's like cackling. He's like, I got movie props. It's not a real ring. Ha ha ha. Can I watch you christen your marriage? <laughs> can I watch your first toddler? Yeah. Because he says that. Yes. And then they're leaving. And then it's like, oh, we're going to take the littles home because that's what the mom says the for littles. the kids. I hate it. But then Pete's like, no, I, want, I think they should stay for the premiere. And then finally the movie's going to end. But actually, the movie's just beginning because they're going into the theater. But as Brian is entering the theater, Movie Mason stops him and it says, Hey, Brian, I didn't believe you about Phantom of the Megaplex. But let me tell you about the werewolf of, of the, the Megaplex. Megaplex. <laughs> and then there's... A, there's a, and and then it's it a, goes into Werewolves of London right under the ground. Uh, that's a bad song. Uh, and there, that is a sequel that I don't believe ever was made was Werewolf of the Megaplex. That would have been good. That would have been so boring. I I don't think... How could you make Werewolf of the Megaplex? It's just bloody. What, what, it's the bloody were- and gory. It can't be like the fan of the Megaplex. And it would just it'd have to be an works, actual horror movie. The werewolf works there, but it, he asks for every full moon off. <laughs> Maybe it's Sean that's and he's how, not that's aware. That's how easy that would be. 
Oh, I'm Sean comes uh, back. I yes, the I Sh- ship it. We got a premise right there. <laughs> it's 15, 15 minutes long. Where was, he's a cool guy working there. And the girl goes, oh, boss, uh, tomorrow's a full moon. I need it off. Like, okay, you gave me two weeks mm. notice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the big premiere. And then he goes, I don't know, plays a basketball game as a werewolf. But then he gets ejected because he's a werewolf playing basketball in the movie Like theater. Michael J. Fox. That's what we were referencing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's and then he goes bowling like in the second one, and then it's and then it's Werewolf of the Megaplex two T O O. All right, that was Phantom of the Megaplex. He's an accountant as a werewolf. Oh, yeah, sure, Jacob. What are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, we t- we talked about it while we were watching it too. I don't know, you know. What we talked about well, this movie? Well, we we talked about you know how, how this comes as a shock to probably the hour or more that we just spent talking about this movie. Talked about how it could have been as long you know, as it's not uh, as actually uh, long as the movie. That uh, we an, another real life you know movie that they, they could have done well in the theaters. You know, or, 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 like you said, with better camera quality. See, Telejohn takes comments I said and tries to make them his own. Well, no, then I'm, makes I'm just them, saying, this uh, is how kind I kind of I incomprehensible and worse. It was good. The movie was good. Yes, it, it, it's it a was, strong premise and there's some fun stuff with like the movies reflecting on like, reality. Like, I, I feel like this movie maybe, I mean, there's a couple other movies. I mean, it had a lot of fucking extras. I mean, as opposed to like other movies, and like the and we talked about the extras. The extras it's like Lord of the Rings. This is like a town full of extras. I don't know. It, it was it just it, it it wasn't just confined to like five people in the movie. You're you know? easy to please. Like a lot of decoms are. It's different in, in the fact that it, it's expansive. When it's I tell Charles about a movie, he's like, "Okay, I don't really care like how the acting was." How many extras were in this movie? Rudy, there's a stadium full of extras. Oh my god. I've got to see Rudy. I love Sean Ashton. Love it. I've never seen Rudy. But yeah, I agree. I think, as I was saying, yeah, some tweaks, it could have been like a fun movie. It could even have been like a more serious horror movie. So like kind of like a horror comedy where there's kind of, you know, meta jokes about horror movies and there's the the theaters getting trapped into dangerous situations that don't just involve a fan blowing on the audience a or lot. I, I, I mean, what if I I, I kind of wish the <laughs> I, I kind of wish the villain was somebody else though as well. Uh yeah, know. but it was still fun. That I think this is pretty much the only decom we've had was, so far where there's an actual mystery throughout. Yeah, yeah, we I, joked yeah, about was... the Rip Girls mystery of who and the I, binoculars I mean, person and, was. And, and, at first, it did seem like it was obvious that it was him, but it was cool that they, you know, oh, it could have been Merle. Yeah, they, they, they really kinda, cheated. They they kind of hinted at, you know, that, oh, it could have been, you know, Movie Mace until a dude jumps like 20 feet down on top of him, you know. Hey, we don't know enough about Movie <laughs> Mason. Actually, what if Werewolf of the Megaplex is a prequel and Movie Mason is younger? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think it was a, a genuinely pretty good movie. I think it's probably in the upper echelons. It lived up to my expectations, and I thought it was a pretty fun time. And Sam. It's fine. All right, this that's an upgrade. Sam usually says, uh, if I can quote, uh, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> so, moving True. up in the world. I think this is probably the closest to Don't Look Under the Bed as functioning as like an actual movie and not just a Disney Channel original movie. Are you talking in a mystery sense? Like we don't know who's doing these things and don't look under the bed. I, I just oh, mean like man. the quality. This, of this the could be like a movie that like a kid watch and you wouldn't be like, oh, it's a Disney Channel original movie. Ah, uh, that's the only reason that you do watch. It. Yes, I know, but generally this movie, unlike other DComs, where it's like set in a setting unlike any other ones, 
It's got like a premise, unlike other movies. It's a little horror, but mostly like a mystery. And Mickey Rooney's in it. <laughs> like, what more do you want? Kids love Mickey Rooney. <laughs> he's he's a funny he fucking old man. Well, now he's he's dead. He's Rest in the in ground. Peace. Yeah, he's, he's a you don't know where he is. He could be cremated on a shelf. He, his ashes were spread over the megaplex. <laughs> They I was putting a Molotov cocktail. At his funeral, they brought up a boombox and they hit play, and it was him going, Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that was another movie. The year of the decom, the year 2000, is slowly but surely coming to a close. Next episode, we will have the ultimate Christmas present. But in the meantime, you can write to us at a whole new pod at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on apple podcasts you can subscribe to us on apple podcasts and google play follow us on spotify subscribe to us on youtube like all our videos comment youtube channel actually being pretty successful oddly enough the 13th year now has like over a thousand views 1200 views we're up to one of our least favorite decoms i think surprisingly very popular with the general decom or disney plus viewing audience so that's kind of neat so yeah, hit the bell. I don't know. Smash that like button. Pretty exciting stuff. Uh, right. Follow us on Twitter at a whole new pod, all one word. I point to Jacob. You can follow me on Twitter for uh, random um, retweets. Jacob underscore Telejohn, J-A-C-O-B underscore T-E-L-L-I-J-O-H-N. That shouldn't mean that he will retweet you randomly. <laughs> random retweets about random things going on. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter if you... Actually, no, I don't retweet things because I don't like give the impression that I'm endorsing anything. I just like a bunch of stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter yeah, and then just go to my likes. like feed. Yeah. Maybe have a good time, but uh, I don't recommend doing that. Ooh. And uh, I don't think Sam probably has anything to plug, but I could be wrong. Uh, I'd like to plug music videos that tell a story. Stuck like glue. It's a good one. Okay. I was like, are you going to provide an example? Stuck like glue. It's a good one. It's about a girl who uh, is obsessed with Cat Mossum from Chuck and then kidnaps him. I worked with some people who would get mad if uh, a music video like was like anything different than just people singing the song. If it was unrelated to the music video, I showed them uh, Defunct by Daft Punk, which just involves... Uh, an anthropomorphic dog in a trench coat who has a broken leg that's walking around with a boombox playing the song and kids come up to him and be like that's a good fucking song and they're like what is this i don't get it i just want country musicians to sing in front of a lake or something so yes yeah, sam we should support the art of music videos expanding beyond just people singing into microphones and playing instruments also look up blanco brown he's really good blanco brown he's got good songs do i need to like vet these people first play you a song no no I'm, I'm just joking i'm sure they're they're wonderful individuals like all of us in this room together stuck like loose by sugarland uh, sugarland oh. they not sugar ray <laughs> oh sugar ray is the one in scooby-doo no, all right it's been action. a while it's been a while and we got a scooby-doo he mentioned scooby-doo earlier with the sandwich the subway sandwich. Well, we are. I mean, I, I, I mentioned subway Scooby-Doo. Sandwich. See, like, we mentioned, like, Scooby-Doo naturally yeah, in the situation. You true. always had to force it because you were trying to make it into a meme because was I true. was kind of supporting you. And then <laughs> me, I'm not a very supportive person. I lost that support. So uh, they're remaking uh, Scooby-Doo. The animated, Live action? And I, oh. I feel like the person that should play Shaggy, they have Will Forte. It should be Shaggy 2 Dope. 
or just the guy. Nope, Shaggy who, too dope. Well, that's the weird thing about it being like a CG. So it's all the people who currently voice like the cartoon characters or previously voiced the cartoon characters could voice those characters and it would sound good. But then, no, they have to have like the stunt casting of different celebrities that aren't always actually good voice actors. Get Sarah Michelle Gellar back in there. Freddie Prince Jr. That one guy that was in Scream. Shaggy. Uh, and the person that played Velma, who I don't know who it is. All right. Well, bringing this riveting conversation to a close. Uh, if you know who played Velma in the live action Scooby-Doo, uh, email the podcast. Or I'll, comment I'll, on the YouTube video. I'll, I'll hear about it at some point. It is the only way we will be able to figure it out. <laughs> we need you to do this work for and us. And what else has she been in since? Leave a comment down below. <laughs> I know of no way for us to learn this information. We do not Tell have the John technology. will uh, send you a bunch of DMs if you are the winner of this podcast. <laughs> well, the winner can, of the Can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> All right. And with that, does anybody have uh, a funny final word to say? Hollywood. <laughs> 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 Super Coney Hollywood. They come from Chillicothe and Paducas with their bazookas to get their name up in lights. Hooray for Hollywood. You may be only in your neighborhood. But if you think that you can be an actor, see Mr. Factor, he'd make a monkey look good. Within a half an hour, you'll look like Tyrone Power. Hooray for Hollywood. Monica King's 11-year-old daughter checked this anime-style book out from the Monroe Middle School Library. She heard that there, there was some cuss words and stuff, and she thought it was a cool book, so she checked it out to see for herself. But King says her daughter, who's in sixth grade, immediately knew something was off. My daughter came and brought it straight to me and said, Mom, I know you don't like this, so I wanted to show you. The book King's daughter brought home is part of the Japanese graphic novel series, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. The story involves a dragon, which transforms into a young human woman in a maid outfit. This particular story features drawings of the dragon maid, exposing most of her breasts. This whole chapter right here talks about how enlarged her breasts are and what, what the issues are with them.